The host of this show, Max Naist, lived in addiction for years and made lots of destructive choices, which resulted in losing friends, family, and his career. After being in jail for the fourth time, he knew he needed to make some big changes. Now, sober for 17 years, he shares the steps he took, which led to recovery and got his life back. Welcome to Fearless Happiness. 19.7 million American adults have battled a substance use disorder. 38% of adults have battled an illicit drug use disorder. But no matter what the struggle, no matter the challenge, you can overcome anything and become successful. Max and his guests share experience, strength, hope, and faith. If it's PTSD or military-related, trauma, physical, verbal, sexual addiction, alcoholism, you can accomplish your dreams. And with this show, we help others be fearless in their pursuit of happiness. This is Fearless Happiness, and this is Max Naist. All right, good morning, everybody. This is Max from the Fearless Happiness Podcast, or good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you are at this in this wherever you are at excuse my english today in this world today i have a very special guest a very good friend of mine michaela taylor she's got quite a story i think it's good for her she wants to get it out i support her 100 we're just gonna have a great conversation michaela and you're gonna let people know like what i like to do is have you introduce yourself what you do and who you are okay uh, i'm michaela taylor i'm a uh, transgender I'm a broadcaster, podcaster, blogger. I hope to be public speaker one day because I have a message I think that could really help a lot of people. And I'm sure I'll get there. Um, also, my real estate license, very busy. Father, father of five or parent of five, I guess you could say. And just go 24-7, you know? <laughs> and I don't stop. But so I, I've always had a lot of drive. I've always had a lot of determination and I, I've always, anytime that I've done something, I've, for the most part, I've been successful with it, but I was also, uh, not living my own life for all of those years until recently. I was living the life that I thought, thought, uh, everybody else wanted me to live instead of my life. Yeah. And explain that eventually, a little bit, that, Michaela, right? I mean, you just said it, but like, I want the audience to know what that feels like, right? When you're not living your authentic self, right? It kind of makes us struggle through life if you think about it, because then we're not happy with you. And I kind of talked about before we started here. So give the audience a little bit kind of deeper dive into that. What what you mean by that? Uh, well, for instance, I, I joined the Apex last year and uh, I, I saw, you know, I've been following Ryan Stillman for a long time and I, I've seen his authenticity, how he was able to talk about how he's been to prison or been divorced three times and, and all these different things. I was like, man, I can never say anything like that. I can never come out with who I truly am. You know, I, I just couldn't because my whole world would crash and burn. If I did probably within minutes, I'd lose everything. I'd lose my family. I'd lose my house. I'd lose everything. At the same time, I'm dealing with gender dysphoria. And it, I, I've been dealing with this since I was a teenager. And it's it's been pretty brutal throughout my life. I, I put out uh, part of my story last week about a five-year span of my 38 years. And if you've read that, have you had a chance yet, Max, to, to read no, it? No, I'm going to read it, though. But yeah, let the audience know about that. Okay, so... You know, I started out and a lot of this isn't isn't in what I put out, you know, because I only put out five years, but I'm going back 20, 22 years. I was born male, but male, not the way of living, but also the way of living in a different perspective. OK, as a, have never been drawn to to masculine type things. 
ever. And I remember going back to when I was a kid, you know, playing with my friend that was a girl, you know, we'd have, I'd stay the night at her house. We'd play with her plants or whatever. She had this dancing plant thing that, that did Tutti Frutti, the song <laughs> Tutti Frutti by, by Little Richard, you know? Okay. And, and, and I felt like I was myself, you know? And then it, it goes back to, or I'm forced to, to do things as, as a male, you know? And I was okay for a while and then puberty hit and when puberty hit i don't know if i can cuss on this podcast because if i can't i'm about to light this podcast up no go I, ahead. <laughs> when i hit puberty it really fucked me up i don't know I, I don't know what happened i remember my parents telling me my mom telling me especially you're gonna hit puberty soon and when it did uh, it, it's like i i got the wrong hormone in my body or something it's like it, it, it was a mismatch from the beginning i mean i was completely fucked up in a lot of different ways i was depressed i had all these new feelings and new emotions, you know, that a lot of them I wasn't comfortable with. Nice. I, but at the same time, I also lost a lot of emotion. I lost empathy for people. I remember my dad asking me if I thought that I was a sociopath when I was a teenager, because I just didn't have empathy for people. I, I thought that, I thought that everybody, I thought that I was going through hell, you know, and I was pushing through it anyway, saying somehow I was still here. So you can push through anyway. And if you're going through hell, you know, and, and if you're not dealing with it right, fuck you. I got to right. deal with it every day. You know, that's where I was for a long time. Right. And, and, and would you say you felt that way? Excuse me, that, that way, because you hadn't come to that realization that, yes, God gave me the wrong body and the wrong hormones. And you were just pissed off at the world because how you felt like, hey, I'm going through this. But you didn't tell anybody at that time, did you? I, no, no, I didn't, Tony. I, I didn't even know exactly what was going on for, for a while. You know, I had no idea what was going on, you know, and but I knew something was, was wrong. You know, like my style of dressing was as feminine as I can get throughout high school without anybody being able to catch on. Gotcha. It, 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 it was it was crazy, man. Uh, now that I look back at it and then turn 18, 19 years old. And by this, by then I had completely fucked up my life, you know, uh, drinking and driving every drug I could find. I was prescribed Adderall when I was 14 because I was diagnosed with ADHD when I was 14. They put me on Siler and I attacked a kid in school for sneezing and knocked him out of his desk and got expelled for the rest of the year. Oh, and then they, they're like, well, maybe Siler, it's not for him. Well, we'll try a different medication. Right. So. I lived in a trailer park called Mansion Road Estates, and my dad would work during the day. I, I remember taking Adderall for the first time, and I moved a 300-pound sleeper couch by myself. Now, I was maybe 130 pounds, six foot, maybe 130 pounds. I moved this 300-foot this sleeper couch from one end of the trailer in his bedroom to my end in my bedroom. And then I decided to tear out the wall between my bedroom and my bathroom so I could have a bigger bedroom. So now I had a fucking <laughs> toilet in my bedroom. <laughs> Man, it was like I was it was like my jail cell. I was building my fucking jail cell that I was going to end up or something. <laughs> right. I'm staying here. Yeah. So I might as well open up this wall. Make it easier. I, I, it was it was ridiculous, man. I got woolite and put woolite all over my walls to make my walls glow in the dark because in the black light. So next right. thing you know, all this dog hair is sticking to my walls and everything because, <laughs> you know, soap's a sticky, <laughs> sticky right. substance, you know. So anyway, uh, I, I got my driver's license and for, there, there are some reasons why I thought it was okay to drink and drive. You know, the part, part of this is not to hurt anybody else, you know, when you tell your story and, and that's not, 
what I want to do. You know, I've never wanted to hurt anybody ever. Absolutely. You know, yeah. but you got to tell your story. So been frustrated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. been frustrated, but, but I thought it was okay to drink and drive. And there are some reasons that people can probably figure out. And I, uh, that's what I did. I was the kid with the cooler in the back of his truck, going to parties, getting kicked out of parties. I was wild and, and drunk and stoned and every other drug you can imagine. And I, it eventually led to me getting three DWIs. Uh, by the time I was, when I was 19, I got my, my last DWI that I got. They hit me with a felony. Mission, huh? <laughs> I, yeah, I was, there was no stopping me. I'd love to go get a pack of cigarettes after being shit faced at a party all night that I got kicked out of twice, but I lost my keys both times and I'd love to go get a pack of cigarettes. Ended up in jail, ended up with, uh, with, with that charge. And I soon moved out of my dad's place and moved it up two doors up into my friend's place up there and was roommates with him. And then winter came along. This was in September. Winter came along and I'd screwed up my job from drinking and everything. So I said, you know what? I'm going to go to Texas. I'm just going to say, screw it all. I'm going to get a great on a Greyhound bus and I'm going to go to Texas. And that's what I did. I, I got on a Greyhound bus on January 3rd, 2004 and on January or 2003. And on January 4th, 2003 at 11 PM, I got off the bus, 19 years old. My, my friend that lived in the trailer, two doors up from my dad's, he had some family in Texas and he knew their names, but he didn't know where they lived. He just knew like the, the area. Right. So it's actually in the town. This is, this is wild. It's in the town that I am, that I'm in now. I got off the Greyhound bus and it's where the police station is in town now. And I walked over to a gas station and they, the guy, uh, he, I was like, Hey, do you know this person? And he's like, no. I, he goes, do you have a place to stay? And I was like, no, I explained him my situation. He's like, you can stay at my apartment. I'm literally sitting in my truck right now, looking at those apartments. Wow. How cool is that? Almost 20 years later. I'm, I'm looking at the street that I walked down the next morning when I walked up to the fire station to ask them if they knew this guy who was a volunteer firefighter. Anyway, long story short, I, I stayed in Texas uh, till I was in June and uh, met my ex-wife when I was down here. And she, uh, you know, we partied all the time, you know, and, and she told me, I don't, I don't know if it was that year or, uh, or the a year the, later after. So I ended up getting extradited to Missouri. I got stopped by a cop one night, go back to Missouri. I do 72 days in jail in Missouri over the summer. Oh, I get out of jail and then she moves up to mansion road estates with me and and she's staying with me and somehow she she told me about this friend that they dressed up like a girl and the the thought of that just completely electrified me like just 100 percent, i was like this has to happen right so i kept hinting at her and hitting at her and hitting at her to where it would be her idea to but i didn't have to i didn't have to just come out and say i want to dress female right. you, you know what i mean yeah. And, and then finally that night happened and it was one of the most euphoric nights of my life. Like right. it probably the, and, and I'd done a lot of drugs up to this point, you know, right. but that's the one that kind of probably planted the seed. Like I got to change this eventually. Like I got to be me. Right. Like, cause listen, I'm, I'm hearing it, it, your story, right. You moved to Texas. You're, you sound like one angry individual. Cause you're, you're not coming to terms. What it sounds like, like who your true self is, right. You're struggling with that identity 
and you're self-medicating, yeah, right? Yeah. You're wild. You're, you're just like, okay, you know, it's like, you know, cause we're both in recovery, right? You did the, uh, you know, the, I'm going to leave this place to see if this place is any better. Environmental. Yeah. Yeah. What do you call that? You know, you know what I'm talking People, about. People, places, right? things. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and, but then you, you're with your ex, right? And she has this friend who dresses like a female and you're like, like, I know I can hear it in your voice. You're like this this is like me, but I can't come out yet and say it. So keep telling us like, cause that's yeah, a challenge was, like, was, people go through who are in your. Now, scenes, now at you this know? time, at this time, the only transgender people I'd seen were on Jerry Springer. Oh, you know, bro. you got, you got your transgender people on Jerry Springer. And you're like, fuck, I can't be like that. You know, that's not <laughs> right. Yeah. That's not like you're, yeah, you know, you're I, like, <laughs> right. I'm not you're, a you're Jerry like, Springer. You know, yeah, I get it. Hollywood has been terrible to transgender people. And then, you know, you got silence of the lambs and Buffalo Bill. You got that guy that's, you know, <laughs> yeah, that didn't help. Cross you face, did and ripping off. You, you got you, Hollywood has been brutal to transgender people. You know, Absolutely. I remember when I was seven, I remember when I was 17, we went and saw the Rocky Horror Picture Show. And and I almost didn't want to go. I was almost ashamed. I didn't even know what it was about, really. But I was almost, I, I was afraid to, like, like, get into it at all, I guess you could say. Right. Like, all my friends that were with me were just enjoying their enjoying themselves. That was, like, the most uncomfortable hour and a half, two hours of my life. Because I was afraid that if, if anything, like, they'd find out, like, right. who I am. Exactly. I can only imagine paralyzing fear you know and so then i uh i didn't want to stay in missouri even though even though when i so i got out of jail in missouri and uh my ex-wife that we and i we'd gotten married and i was still it, it was it was several times a week i'd be dressed female i was in girl mode is what i call it okay and and my my goal was always to figure out a way to get into girl mode and if I wasn't, I was frustrated. Right. I can only I was imagine. Steaming. It would just, would that fuel your yeah. anger even more? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I try to figure out all these different ways to, to where I can have my legs shaved and, and people want to be like, why is there a dude with his legs shaved? You know? And so I was thinking about cycling, becoming a bicyclist and run, and drive <laughs> riding long miles. I'm talking about like doing these 25, 50 mile bike rides. So just so I could have my, my leg, I thought about becoming a bodybuilder at one point. There you go. You know, you I was like, a swimmer. swimmers shave everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know I mean? yeah. Yeah. And then I mean, it's absurd. Instead right. of just coming out with who I am, I try and it, and it goes a lot with alcoholism and addiction too, yeah. you know, instead of just coming to terms with who we are and accepting that ourselves and accepting, you know, acceptance is the answer to all of our problems today. I was doing everything but that and not just accepting myself, but hiding who I am from people. Yeah. And, and this continued, you know, it didn't matter. I ended up in 2005, I hitchhiked across the country and it was everywhere I went, there I was everywhere I went there. This was with yeah. me I, from, you know, I, I hitchhiked, I literally, I hitchhiked, I, I, I got on a Greyhound bus again. My ex-wife and I got in an argument one night. We were living in Texas, and I, I, I was dressed in girl mode at least once a week, okay. as often as I could get away with it, you know, right. without anybody finding out, right? You know, and but the fi people finding out that was the tough part too, because you know people would show up or the, somebody knock on the door, and I'm like, shit, what do I do? You know, <laughs> literally living a secret life. Right. And they say, you know, they say and, we're only as sick as our secrets. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. And the secret that I had, I was extremely sick. 
You know, if you if you look at psychology in the DCM five, right? So right, DSM five. DSM five, yeah. Gender dysphoria in itself is not a mental disorder. It's when you don't deal with it. That's when it becomes an issue. You, Absolutely. You know, it's not. It's when you there's there's no cure for it. There's no pill you can take. There's nothing. I've tried them all. I, I tried. I've tried changing everything. You know, several times over, and 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 nothing except just embracing who you are and and living who you're meant to be. It, it relieves it. There's just nothing to it. You know. Absolutely. And and you know. You know and I, re- so, I I remember when you when you came out and you posted. You know what I mean. And you said stuff that that really hits home, right? Like, like going through the program. Cause that's where you and I can totally relate. Right. We're both sober. We've absolutely time. Yeah. Right. And you hear it in the rooms or from your sponsor, right. You're only sick as your secrets. Right. Cause like I, I, I did the same thing in a sense, right. I kept a secret, right. Because I came from the streets, right. Jail, um, you know, from my addiction, you know, and it was like, you know, you, you build that, that habit, right. You learn in jail, like, you don't snitch, not on yourself. Right. So when I did my first four step, right. It was like maybe a page if that, if that, right. And my sponsor looked at me <laughs> like, he looked at me like, Where's the rest? Yeah. In the look, right. You just came from jail. You've been on the streets, homeless a lot this past nine years. You were looking at three years in prison and you're telling me like that look he gave me was like, whatever, bro. If that's, you know, but he let me have that experience. Right. And I ended up relapsing over that. Right. So I get what you're talking. When I, when I fully got honest with myself and my sponsor and God and, and who I am as a human being, like I'm here, I'm coming up on 19 years sober this year, you know, and it's just like, huge. you know what I mean? But I think that, that journey has allowed me to meet people like yourself. You know what I mean? Like I, like I didn't start my podcast, you know, because, you know, Mike was, you know, Michaela was trying to teach me how to edit. Right. And I would tell my coach, Hey, yeah, I'm learning how to edit, you know, until one point he goes back, just fucking do it. Perfect. Does not mean done. Just believe in yourself. And I was like, Ugh. And I know Michaela, right? Remember you're trying to teach me. I was just like a couple of times he was going and I'm just going, uh-huh. Uh-huh. We get off the call and I go, fuck, I didn't understand a fucking thing. He's hoping me, man. Oh, this is going to take me forever. <laughs> but, but, but Michaela was so patient with me. Right. And one day I will learn and we all have to teach It's one of those me, things. It's like, like riding a horse. You just got to get on a horse and go. Yeah. You know, exactly. I'm trying not to fall off and break your neck. Yeah. <laughs> right. So this is why I'm so glad to, to have you on my podcast. Right. Because it is about our journey right as a human being right like look what you've gone through so far like growing up you know i wouldn't say being well yeah being confused in the beginning because you had those feelings like okay i'm in a man's i was was confused until right you know and 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 going like what am i doing here on this earth you know i know that had to go through your brain so you know i appreciate you being so open with with the audience here and but but continue right like like tell us how you finally just got to a point right you're married you have children and you're like i gotta change this and then share with the audience, you know, like the support you've been given, you know, in, in this whole journey so, so far. So you you can only imagine my story. That's like a hundredth of my story. Right. Um, <laughs> like I could sit here for four or five hours and, and tell my story. And so let, let's get to, to last year. You know, I'm still dealing with this. I really ended it like 2004 when I was telling my. So you fast forward to 2021. Right. You know, I'm remarried. I go into broadcasting school. I do a morning show on a radio station in the Texas Hill Country. It's the biggest radio station in the area. Um, I have my real estate license. I I uh, have a family. My wife and I, we have five kids. So I'm a parent. 
you know, and I'm still dealing with this. I'm still fighting this. I, 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 you know, I've been to the top of the Marriott Hotel with Johnny Manziel's Heisman when he won the Heisman. Oh, wow. I have a picture with his Heisman. I've had some pretty crazy accomplishments over the years. I've done some really cool stuff over the last last 10 years. But still, this it's been with me, you know, and it's it's everywhere I go. There I am again. Right. You know, and my 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 wife and I haven't I haven't been public about exactly how this all transpired. But up until last year, I thought this was like some kind of fetish or something. I had no idea that I was actually transgender. Right. I thought this was just something that and that's why I was ashamed of it. You know, I thought this was something that was just just some kind of weird fetish or something. I didn't really even understand it until last year right? because I never dealt with it, Okay, you know, and it ended up with, I had convinced my wife to have a girl's day in San Antonio last November, a couple months ago. And after she finally goes, okay, let's do it. You know, and the day ended up with us at a hotel and we, uh, I, I wasn't really interested in doing sexual stuff. I wanted to go out. I wanted to go get in the in in the the vehicle and drive around San Antonio and go out in public and you know nobody knows me in San Antonio they know me where I live but they don't know me in San Antonio right and I just wanted to be myself and get some relief that was my relief to to be able to just go be out yourself. in public and be myself and she's like there's more to this than than what we thought and she was right so. I started thinking about that and I'm like, it's not just a fetish. It's, it's, it's who I am, you know, something that had dominated me and had kept, kept its foot on me for so long because I was unwilling to understand it, you know, and, and throughout the years, I've been judgmental as shit to other people, man. Oh, well, I got funny how we on. can do that. Oh yeah. I'm I'm I know what you mean, man. Like I, but remember what they say, Michaela, right? When I'm pointing a finger at you, Oh damn, I got three pointing back at me. Right. <laughs> Makes yeah, you think, yeah. right? And so I, I remember driving down this and you know, there's HRT now, which it was, a, it was a available, you know, back in the early 2000s or whatever, but it wasn't available. You had to go see a, a psychologist and get right. a letter saying that you had gender dysphoria. And if you didn't show up wearing a dress and heels multiple times, then you weren't going to get a letter is how, how they used to do it. Well, right. now there's informed consent where you can you can go in and basically they tell you what the risks are and then you leave with your with your hormones or whatever. So I, I was driving I was driving down the street one night and I was by myself and I said, well, let me just let me just say this. I, I said, I'm a trans woman. And it just my shoulders dropped for the first time since I can remember the tenseness went away that was in my body. And I just said it again. And it just, I got relief from this battle that I'd been fighting for so long. A long time. It, it was like, and then I knew there was another battle ahead. As soon as that happened, I, as soon as that happened, I, I knew that the next battle was coming out and trying to keep my life, which was the scariest thing. You know, you got to, you got to realize I, I didn't even let my family or close friends know about this. I know, let alone work and stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? I get yeah, it. Let, let, alone, let alone work and, and let alone, you know, the public, you know, I got listeners out there. I got, I got a Facebook group in town here with 28,000 people on it. 
Holy you know, that it's extremely active. Like okay. there's, it reaches over a million people a month. That's awesome. I'm, I'm a verified on Facebook public figure in this town and in this area. Now, if I go two counties over, nobody knows who the hell I am. But in this area, I'm right. a high profile person in this area, you know, and there was, and, and I, I blogged about it last week. It was like this uncertainty and fear and doubt. There was a lot of doubt in there that I'd be able to come out of this and keep my, you know, my, my wife said to me, she goes, no matter what happens here, I have your back. No matter how things go with this, I have your back. And as soon as she said that, the external things really didn't seem to matter nearly as much. You know, we can go to another town and start over. You know, if my parents are upset with me, hopefully they'll get over it. Right. You know, if I lose my friends, I can make new friends. If I lose my job, I can get another job. You know, I'll, I always find a way to provide. I always have, you know, right, right. And and so as long as I kept my wife and my kids, then what else? What else? What's holding me back? You know, right. So I started meeting with a therapist and I started I, I, I meet with her every Monday at four. I'm going to meet with her later at four. And she's like, well, so what's holding holding you back from coming out with us just publicly? Now, by this time, I'd already called my this time I'd already called my mom, which was a uh, very scary phone call to make, you know, and imagine. she was shocked. I had done a very good job of hiding this from her the whole time. And I called my dad. My dad was in complete disbelief and shock and laughed until hysterically until he ended up hanging up the phone at me. And then called me back a few minutes later and asked me if I was serious. And I said, yeah. And he goes, oh, man. And then just kind of hung up the phone. And then talk to me a few days later. I told my friends, I, I went in and I told my job where I work at, where I do the radio show. I said, look, I'm transgender. I'm going to be transitioning here the next couple of months. I don't want to cause any issues for Jam Broadcasting. It's the company that I have the radio show at. I said, if, that, if you think it's going to cause any problems at all, I will step away. This is something I'm going to do and I have to do. And they're like, well, we got your back 100%. That is awesome. It, he goes, if anybody, he goes, if anything, anybody says anything about you, I'll beat their ass. <laughs> he says, we got, your, we got your back. And I was like, all right. Right. So, and you have all of Apex got your back. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's incredible too, man. It is. It, so my, my, my therapist, it was on a Thursday that I was meeting with her this day. She's like, all right, so you got all, all these people out of the way. What's, what's holding you back from just coming out and being yourself? And I was like throwing every excuse in a book out, you know, and eventually she's like, okay, so what's, what's holding you back from coming out and being yourself. And after I'd gone through the whole list of excuses, I was at the pharmacy picking up my HRT for the first time, right. which is, you know, est estradiol and spironolactone. And I was just like, you know what? She's right. Fuck it. So I got on Facebook and I just started typing out the post and I got my HRT stuff and I drove out of HEB, which is the, the uh, grocery store here. And I was driving down the street and the, it was up there where you could hit post, but I hadn't posted it yet. And I'm like, I'd bring my finger up and back down. <laughs> and then finally about the third or fourth time, I just said, I just kind of, I just hit the post button and let that, that post about gender dysphoria hit, hit Facebook. Yeah. And then I turned my phone off. I'm like, I don't even want to see what anybody says. I'll wait till they get home. And I got home and turned my phone on about 30 seconds later. So <laughs> I wanted to see what people were saying. And, and, uh, it's all positive, man. Dude, lost, there was not one negative before. response on your post, bro. You had, or sis now, you had such positive feedback 
that had to have it was crazy that had to have just like that was a natural high you had to have because like we all support yeah yeah do we love you no matter what whether you're mike or michaela or whatever because you're a good person i've gotten to know you over some time right and everybody like look it doesn't matter right he's she's a successful radio show host she has a wonderful family i've seen her post you know i mean you know that you brought tears in my eyes when your wife said, right. And she reminds me of mine. Like, no matter what my wife has always said, I got your back. Like, we'll do this together, whatever it is. Right. And that just warms my heart. Right. Cause I can only imagine the stress and the fear and just like, okay, like you said, like, okay, I'm going to do it. Nope. I'm going to do it. Nope. You know, <laughs> and all those things yeah, like, yeah. with telling your friends, your wife, your 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 boss you know at work like okay i'm gonna walk in i, I know me i probably would have did it like i'm going nope not today <laughs> you know i'm going nope not today yeah yeah <laughs> i'm going not today but I, i'm proud of you my friend i mean i have so much the utmost respect for you because that takes a lot of courage right i just want you to be you right and i'm glad you came on and shared your story with with my audience because people need to know you know, if they're struggling, they're not the only ones out there struggling, right? And I'm hoping that this podcast that I put together that shows people their challenges they've gone through, whether it's like you and I are addiction or or coming out and, and owning that I'm transgender or whether it's whatever, you know what I mean? Gay or whatever the case may be or whatever. Yeah, whatever struggling. it is, yeah. Yeah, you know, that like I'm hoping this podcast shows people around the world that you can overcome that and be successful because you're still a successful, you know, parent. Well, what do I say now? Are you your your husband, wife, until you're fully uh, spouse, uh, parent? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. Well, yeah, but you know I'm kind of I mean? in mid transition right now. Yeah, so it's kind of kind of awkward, and, and and there are a lot of awkward days. You know, I sure. I, I'm in girl mode for the most part every day in public, okay. out of public. Uh, all my male clothes live in the garage now. Uh, they're all folded up and put in boxes. And I like it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And and it's still it's still a challenge. I still have a lot of challenges I'm working on. Oh, you know, sure. I still have a hard time sometimes going out in public and you know, I I it, it's some days are easier than others. And some days I feel better than today's sixty days, sixty one days on HRT okay. today. And there have been some very big changes that have happened. I feel a lot better. My awesome. skin's soft now. My <laughs> and my added my I'm not depressed anymore which is amazing in itself, you know, because I was depressed for so many years, 20 years, over 20 years, I was right. depressed. But how can you, know? you be depressed oh, now when you're being you, you know what I mean? So Exactly. And, um, and no yeah. matter what the struggles are, we should we should never be ashamed of our struggles. Mm -hmm. Our struggles are our superpowers if we just flip them. Absolutely. And that's why I like to call them challenges. I hate you hardly hear me tell, you know, hey, tell them your struggles. Right. I'll always say, hey, Michaela, tell them your challenges. Right. Because if you think about it right, there's usually lessons that we go through that we need to learn when we're going through these challenges. And, and you just, you know, you shared yourself here in an open forum, like takes a lot of courage. You know what I mean? And like I said, I have the utmost respect and love you for that. Um, uh, so what I like to do, right, is ask you a couple of questions, right? You know, because we've talked about I wrote a book, right? Fearless Happiness. Yeah. I mean, you've kind of explained you're fearless, but but tell the audience what your definition and how what fearless means to you and how that shows up in your life on a daily basis. There's either fearless or fearful, and you can't have both. If you're going to be truly fearless, you got to you got to just look anything in the eye and just go through it, whatever it is, and get it over with. You know, our fears are what kill us. Yeah. There are so many people that have just given up and died when they were capable of doing things, but 
they let fear stop them before they even gave themselves a chance. Yep. So to me, fearless is giving yourself a chance to do the things that you're capable of doing awesome. without contempt prior to investigation. <laughs> and you know, I know what that means. I had to exactly. throw it in there. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I love you for that, man. Um, okay. Happiness. Knowing I put that why in my title, right? Happiness. What does that mean to you, Michaela? Like really, what does that mean to you? And how does that show up in your life daily? To me, happiness is knowing that I'm doing the things that I need to do. The only time that I'm happy is when I know what, that I'm doing what I, I need to do. I mean, bottom line, if I'm not doing the things that I need to do, if I'm not doing the, you know, the, the G code is one thing. If, I, I have noticed, Max, that when I'm doing the G code and I'm hitting fours every day, I'm in a hell of a lot better mood than when I'm not eating healthy, working out, being grateful for things, yep. you know, appreciating my wins. And and looking at my wins when I'm and and figuring out who I'm focusing my time on, but it, it goes deeper than that. When I'm not when, when I'm at odds with somebody or I'm creating problems in my life that are unnecessary, I can't be happy a, until I I, uh, I I do those things and, and fix those things and make my amends. My happiness to me is 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 the moment that the internal war in my mind is over. Happiness is peacefulness and sereneness to me, you know, and I can't get that. I can't get that if I'm at war with somebody else for myself. I just can't. Right. And the way to do that is to to uh, do the things I need to do to keep that from happening. And the G code is does a damn good job at that. I'm telling you. Well, see, we're blessed, right? We have the G code and then we have our other code that we live by, right? Like the 12 steps, like for me, yeah, right? Doing that 10 step every night, I do a written 10 step every night, you know, doing service work, all that stuff, right? You know, I always say the G code is the 12 steps shortened into four, like, because Ryan always says his superpower is taking something so difficult and making it easier for people to understand, right? And, but, yeah. you know, the, you know, I'm not promoting 12 steps or whatever, but that's my foundation. Right. And this is why you and I are having this conversation because I put in the work. That's what got me sober, man. Absolutely. Right. And, and doing the G code today, you know, and you and I are accountability partners on that. And I love it because it keeps me going too. Right. We are. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, not only are we accountability partners that we're friends now, you know, and I, I hope that keeps growing, you know, who knows? I'm absolutely Texas one time because don't get me wrong. I love California and the beautiful weather out here, but it's just not where I want to reach tire you know one day and um but anyway this has been such such an awesome can i can i I say two more things real quick absolutely go for it in 2008 um i i did the 12 steps i had 11 and a half months sobriety i my sponsor was on the way to my apartment now the fourth step is doing a moral fearless fearless and moral inventory of yourself right and the fifth step is admitting to god to yourself to another human being the exact nature of your wrongs so i i had my sponsor on the way i'd done a completely solid four step had my sponsor on the way i chickened out because the gender gender dysphoria stuff and within it days i relapsed and blew 11 and a half months sober and crushed my it crushed me it, it crushed me to the core when i blew 11 and a half months sober. so fast forward three more years to being out i got sober again and 
I saw, I, I did the four step, even a better four step this time than the last time. And I thought I did really good. And it was time to do the fifth step. And there was no way in hell I was missing that fifth step that next time. It takes what it takes. Yep. Don't kick yourself. Just Absolutely. keep moving forward. Yep. And I did that fifth step and I've been sober ever since. So I just had eight years on four days ago on the 10th of yes. complete sobriety. I wanted to say congratulations for your eight years. That's freaking amazing. Thank you. That's some tough work as you know, so, and we know, you know, I, I, I blew a week shy of 10 months. So I, I get that. Like I beat myself God, up yeah. so bad, you know, and it took me three, re, you know, a total of four relapses to finally go, okay, I'm done. All right, God, I surrender. Um, But yeah, this has been an awesome, awesome show, my friend. So thank you so, so much for, for coming and being a guest. So thank you I for like, having me as a guest. Oh, yeah. My pleasure. Um, if people want to work with you, because I know you do some things on the sides beside radio, like editing and stuff like that. How can people get a hold of you if, if they just want to talk to you and, and get, you know, pick your brain? Hit me up on my website. It's MichaelaTaylor.com, spelled M I K E A. I'm sorry, M I K A E L A T A Y L O R.com. So Michaela Taylor, M I K A E L A T A Y L O R.com. And oh, I'm, I've been saying M I K E for so long. That, you <laughs> I know, know, right? Even I'm getting used to this, man. <laughs> so. Uh, but yeah, you can you can do that. I'm also Michaela Radio on all social media, also, and I, I love to help anybody I can. You know, there's a there was a survey that came out in 2015 that said 41 percent of transgender people had teenagers had at least attempted suicide. 41 percent of transgender teenagers. That, why? Why did they do that? There are two reasons. Right. Tell me. I want to either they're this. afraid to tell people. Right. Either they're afraid to tell people, and it led to their to them killing themselves or they told people and they didn't get the support that they needed to be able to live. And I've been very, very forced or fortunate. I've been very, very fortunate to be able to have both to be able to tell people and to have the support. And I don't know if I'd still be here, man, if I, if I didn't. So that's a tough question. I mean, that's only one that you can answer, right? Like between you and God. And that's true. Like, cause we had that little conversation before we started, I told you about my wife and her experiences and stuff like that with, uh, you know, people she knew and, and what's happened. And, but, um, I think you just gave a lot of people some hope, whether they're transgender or not, my friend, because you just, you know, you showed some extreme courage today. And again, I appreciate that so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule and being a guest. So any last words of advice you'd like to give my audience before we part? If, if somebody comes to you with something that, you know, I don't care if they're gay or transgender or, or whatever it is, or if they if they are uh, addicted to drugs or whatever, don't beat them down encourage them to to get the help that they need to be able to embrace themselves so they don't have to deal with it anymore Absolutely. you know we're all we're all our own people you know we're all unique there's there's no reason to judge anybody else we all have our own path to walk you know let us walk it absolutely well, I appreciate you, my friend, and I appreciate you uh, taking the time, you know, tell your your wonderful wife and your children, thank you for allowing you to come and be a guest on my podcast. Give them a big Absolutely. Um, but yeah, thank you so much, my friend. And um, I'm sure we'll probably do this again. So till next Sounds time. Good. Thank you, Michaela. Thank you, Max. Been been a pleasure. It really has. And, and blessed to be here, man. So thanks. <laughs>